And so on this whole idea of growth and becoming all that God's created us to be, uh, in week one, we discussed some important areas, four important areas of our spiritual growth in our lives that the Bible really lays out clearly for us that I would say all four are non-negotiable, right? You, you can't set any of these four areas on the shelf in your life and say, that one's not for me, and then expect to really grow and flourish in the calling that God has for you. We need relationships. We need to, to grow discipleship. We need to serve the Lord. We need to be servants. And we need prayer and worship and intimacy on fire with Jesus, right? We, we have, and we have to pursue all these areas. And, uh, and so what I wanted to do today in week three is I wanted to bring all of our pastors up here and have a panel discussion. And I wanted to ask questions very specific to each of these growth areas in our lives to help draw some things out. Obviously, some wisdom, some experience, uh, some successes and failures alike that we've all been through, but to just really understand what are things that are important, uh, what are roadblocks to look for, things that are very common that we have to overcome to really keep growing in each of these areas. Does that make sense? And so I'm just really, really proud of our pastoral team. You know, God has like strengthened this whole team in such a short period of time. And uh, so I'm going to bring them up here now, and I'm going to introduce kind of just each of them in their role, which many of you already know. But could you guys come up here, all of our pastors, and give them a round of applause as they do? And uh, obviously down here on the end, we've got Pastor Guy Briley, who is our campus pastor of our Waterloo location. Doing a wonderful, wonderful job, and uh, his beautiful wife Kelly down here on the front row, who you got to hear us in worship as well. And uh, Pastor Guy just does an awesome job. You know, he's been our, our worship pastor for the last two years, and just kind of at the end of last year, as God was moving and shifting things around to position us for this leap forward to really expand and grow uh, in a new way, this impact that God wants to use us to have regionally. Uh, we realized that it was important for Pastor Guy to kind of step into a new role of overseeing campus operations here at Waterloo. And so uh, he has just done an amazing job already in the last month and blessed by him. Then we have Pastor Mike Limp here next to Pastor Guy, who is our executive pastor. Uh, Pastor Mike's wife, Christy, is not with us today, but his lovely daughter, Brooke, is here. She's on the front row. Looks just like his lovely wife. Uh, Pastor Mike oversees all of the executive operations of the church, so it'd be very difficult for me to try to give you a rundown of all those things, but I would say staffing, human resources, financial operations, logistics, I mean, you, you name it. This guy's pretty much running the day-to-day -day deal here. And uh, we had a little bit of a speed bump early on. You know, we didn't know if we were going to be able to work things out and work together because there was this huge discrepancy whenever I beat him at the 5K. But we worked through all that. Good relationships do work like that. Um, so we appreciate Pastor Mike. And uh, he's a great business leader. Yeah, you can give him a round of applause. He's a great business leader. He's a great coach. He's very involved in, uh, you know, Christian 
sports and ag- or organizations. Just I, I don't even know where all this. This guy's everywhere. I mean, he's everywhere. So we've got Pastor Holly Kamakaro here with us today. I'm so excited to have her down here. Pastor Holly is the campus pastor of our Jerseyville campus up north, and uh, things are just going fantastic up there. Similar to Pastor Guy, we made the decision at the end of last year to move Pastor Holly into that campus pastor role. She had been serving as our family pastor up there, just loving people, uh, caring for people, ministering to people, overseeing kids and youth and family ministries and so now we've got some other great leaders that are helping to support a lot of those departments, and she's overseeing the, the campus operations now up there. She does a phenomenal job, very, very gifted. Uh, we have a saying around here, you know, nobody's perfect, but Pastor Holly's pretty close. So just saying. <laughs> and then we have my beautiful wife, uh, Pastor Katie, right here next to me. And... Uh, Katie's, you know, from day one, I mean, she's pretty much done just about everything that there is to do in the church, right? I mean, she's done kids ministry, she's done youth ministry, still very involved in those areas, but she's done office work. I mean, she basically has the hardest job of all. She has to deal with me. Um, Don't laugh. You don't have to act like you understand that. And, you know, we've worked through that whole process, I think, Throughout the earlier years, um, we've worked together in business, and then, of course, that transitioned into the church life, and I think that either she's quit or I've fired her probably 25 times over the years, but here we are today. Um, But I just, she's so versatile, and she's got an anointing on her, too. You all see that, and she's so versatile. I mean, just one example, when we were in the early, I don't know, it was maybe the first or second year of planting the church, we were going through this uh, process of having a, a real shortage in the worship team and trying to fill spaces to have good worship, you know, and we didn't have a drummer. And so among everything else, she goes out and she learns how to play the cajon. You remember that? I mean, and I taught her a lot and helped her to really, I worked a lot with her and she, um, they joke around, they say, I don't have beat, but I got beat, I'm just telling you. Anyway. That's, I'm just getting distracted. So she has kind of just done everything and does a phenomenal job here at the church. So very excited to have this awesome team. They're great, aren't they? Okay, so let's dive in, and we're going to go through those four specific areas around growth. Um, but let's start, just kind of pave the way for that, talking a little bit about vision, um, our vision of at Life Church X is to raise up game changers. And we say a game changer is someone who knows that they have a God-given purpose, that God created them for a destiny, uh, and they're walking in that, they're thriving in that, they're flourishing in that. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is working so powerfully in their lives uh, that it's a game changer everywhere they go. It's impacting their work, it's impacting their family, impacting their community, their church. Like, God is moving everywhere, and that's the difference maker. And uh, so my question around that is, because that's our, our heart and our vision, and to help people discover that and raise people up, equip them for that, how significant, it's kind of a loaded question, but how significant do you feel like it is that people understand and, and really get a revelation for themselves that God of the universe, in fact, does have a purpose for their lives? Because I think sometimes people still struggle with that, right? Right? 
uh, they, they see other people maybe having a big plan, but maybe they, they question it for themselves. But God has created each one of us for purpose and for destiny. How significant do you feel like it is that each person really get a hold of that revelation? I'll, I'll answer for some reason, but it looks like they're looking at me. So uh, <laughs> uh, I see how this is going to work. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I mean, I think this is probably the most important thing um, in your life. It's, it's, right, this is why we're here, right? right? Haven't you always thought, like, why, why am I here? What, what has God created me to do? That, that's, that's probably the question that we're all trying to answer. And, you know, as far as the local church goes, that, that, the answer to that question is going to be found inside the local church in many ways because we here as pastors, the local church, we're here to encourage you and to equip you in your life with Christ and to grow so that you figure out who that is. I tell my kids this all the time. The number one thing in life is to find out who you are. And you're only going to find that out through our loving, all-powerful Savior, Jesus Christ. And just to take that one step further, like, life is about defining who you are, discovering what you want, and then, and then following a game plan to carry that out to be all that God has, has called you to be. And you have to understand that he has a specific purpose in mind for you and a specific plan that he's worked out before you even know what it is. And I heard this the other day. I, used, I said this last night because of this relationship with you and Christ is so important. You have to know who you are and your identity in Christ and what that means. I heard this uh, quote the other day that says, if you don't know who you are by 9 a.m., you will by 6 p.m. because somebody else will tell you who you are. Right? And then it makes sense, right? So, so the point is, it's like, Man, we need to understand what God has called us to do with our life. And that, that comes strictly from your relationship with Christ. You're not going to read it in a book. You're not going to hear it on a podcast. You know, all those things are good things. I'm not taking away from it. But, but the most powerful, important thing is that relationship with Jesus Christ because that's where, that's where you're going to find out who you are, what your identity in Christ is and what your plan is for your life. I think your vision and purpose is, is crucial. Pastor Mike kind of hit on it, your identity. You know, you don't want nobody else telling you who you are. And I believe that along the way, God will show you things. I don't, you know, I didn't wake up in uh, 2019 and say, I want to be a pastor today. You know, it just didn't happen that way. I, I went through life. I went through uh, trials and tribulations. But everything that I went through was preparation for moments just like this. You know, uh, worked in a factory. I worked around some of the roughest guys. That, I mean, I could tell you stories that would just blow your mind. I was a police officer for eight and a half years, but all those things kind of taught me how to deal with people and how to just, you know, as I was younger, I was always one who, and I'm not, I'm not tooting a horn or anything like that, but people kind of gathered. I, I could always be around people, and I always had a genuine care for people, even when I didn't know that. If I seen somebody hurting, I was just like, it just kind of ripped at me. It just kind of tore at me. So I think if you pay attention to who you are, I think God will reveal things to you as you go through the process, and he'll use those to kind of further you in your testimony and all that you do. I just add one thing to that because I think it's so important what, you know, what he kind of shared just snippets, his story, right? And he said, it's a process. It's a process. And everything that Pastor Guy did during that process, he was preparing himself for God 
to use. And you listen to his story, right? He's a pastor. He was a, a, a blue-collar worker. He's a police officer, right? That's a, that's a crazy story, right? If I told you what all led up to me being here, you'd say, that's, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. But that was his story. That was my story. Everybody has a God-given story. And when you start to, when you start to really verbalize it, you'd be th- you'll be thinking to yourself, that, that's the craziest story I've ever heard, but it was a process, and you were just putting yourself in an opportunity, in a position to be used by God all along the way. All right, so uh, just one last thing kind of on that whole vision and purpose part. You know, this idea that God has a purpose for our lives, he's got a plan, it's individual, it's unique, right? That's one of the beautiful things about God is we are all created uniquely. But the other part of that is, is that we all fit into God's bigger plan to advance his kingdom. That's right. Like we're all, like our plan is a part of that plan. Let me say it that way. And so uh, what would you maybe say to offer encouragement or just to get people to, to think bigger, right? It's you have a role in your purpose to advance God's kingdom on earth. I mean, that's a huge deal. So maybe anything that would encourage us today, like, it's bigger than you. Yeah, I don't think any role that you play in the church and when you serve or even serving outside the walls of the church is insignificant. Sometimes we think, you know, a greeter is an insignificant role, but you're the first person that somebody sees when they walk into this building and you can have an impact of their on their purpose and their future and and impart God will give you the exact word to say to somebody just at the right time. And I explained it last night, like uh, you are a piece of a puzzle. And you might not see all of it, it, what the puzzle is in just one piece, but when we put all those pieces together and all the people working together, it's this beautiful picture that God's created and painted and, and wants for the local church. Yeah, it says in Romans, that we're all one body. And Paul goes through this whole um, discourse about, like, if, if everybody was an eye, you know, what, what would the body look like? And so we all have that part, like Pastor Holly was saying, that we're called to play. And maybe you're an eye or maybe you're a nose or maybe you're a finger. But if my body didn't have any one of those parts, my whole body would feel that. And my whole body would be able to do less of what it once was created to do. And so that's us. You know, if you don't step into your purpose, then all of us suffer for that. And so, you know, our our vision of raising up game changers is in part because we know that we all succeed when you succeed. And so we want you to walk fully in your purpose because when you do, you help me and you help the people next to you. And, And us as a local body, fulfilling our purpose as a church helps the overall body in the world. And so if we see it like that, then I think it gives us more courage to step into our purpose. Because with it being unique, that means there's no one else that you can follow fully to step into your purpose. You have to seek God for it, like we were talking about. Um, But no one else can fill it for you. No one else can do it for you. And so if you don't do it, we just are missing out. I love the scripture where it says, you know, David, he served God in his generation and then he fell asleep. You know, God had a specific role in a specific time for him to play, and he made a big contribution. 
right? And so it's the same for all of us. Um, will it be said that we served God in our generation and then we went to be with the Lord? And we'll celebrate all of our contribution throughout all the ages in eternity together. But there's a big plan that's at work here and always has been, and we get to be a part of that. That's exciting, isn't it? All right, let's move into uh, this first area of discipleship, growth. You know, we all are supposed to be disciples, followers of Christ, growing in our faith, growing in our spiritual maturity. Um, We say a lot, never stop growing, because this process never ends. We never arrive. Paul said, "I've, I've not completed this process at all, but I'm still leaning into it, even before his death. And so what would you say to encourage someone who's here and maybe they're newer um, or maybe they've been around, but they're just starting to get kind of lit on fire for this idea, it's, it's time for me to grow. I, I don't want to remain in spiritual infancy uh, for the rest of my life. And they're just excited and they want to begin taking steps to start growing spiritually. What would you say just to encourage somebody, this might be kind of a new thing, a new flame that's getting lit for them? So I've been big into podcasts here this year because one of my things was to grow my leadership. You know, everyone succeeds when a leader grows. He says that small things, small steps give opportunity for great growth. And I thought that's it's, as simple as that is, it's really powerful. We can't, we can't bite off more than we can chew. You know, we'll choke on it. And the same thing in, in your physical is the same as your spiritual. You want to take your time with it. Don't set your goals too high. Your goals are met every day that you get to that final goal. That's how you succeed in those things. But my... Uh, I guess my thoughts to you would be take your time with it. You know, devotionals, start with a two-day devotional. Don't start with a 37-day because all you're going to do is defeat yourself. Day 20, you're like, man, I'm I'm three days behind. You're not on track anymore. Set your small goals, and they'll create great opportunity for growth in it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, when you're you're moving towards Christ and your spiritual growth, there are no insignificant steps. So if you're out there thinking, boy, I really don't know what to do, well, I would – I would maybe start serving. I would, coming up in March, life group start. I, w- I would join a life group. You know, I would maybe get, like Pastor Guy said, get a devotional. Listen to something. I mean, there are all these things that might be seemingly small steps. They add up day after day after day. And if you're ever wondering, you know, where you are, I always use the scale of 1 to 10 rule. So if you ask yourself, well, or if I would ask you, well, where are you with your spiritual life? Scale 1 to 10. Let's say you say it's a 3. Well, as kind of Pastor Guy alluded to, you can't bite off too much. If you're a 3 right now, your goal probably shouldn't be a 10. Your goal is to be a 3.5, a 4, a 4.5. Because if you're out there thinking, well, my spiritual life is a 3, and you're trying to get it to a 10 overnight, guess what? If I came back and asked you that same question two weeks from now, you'd probably say it was a 3 or a 2 because it didn't work. But when you start to take these small, seemingly insignificant steps towards Christ, powerful things happen. And I think it's important to have people surround you that hold you accountable, that, that you build a relationship with, and you say, hey, read this with me, please, and challenge me to do this, so that you have that community around you, strengthening you, encouraging you to take those steps, and asking you, hey, did you read this today? And what did you think about it? And like Pastor Matt referenced last night in the Bible, that iron sharpens iron, and we need that. And I would just say that 
never stop. Never stop. You have a bad day, got a new day tomorrow. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. And so don't allow Satan to come and get you defeated because it didn't look like what you thought it should look like. Just keep going. Because when you keep going, you eventually get to your goal. Yeah, that's good. I've often heard it said, and I agree with this, that we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a day, um, but we really underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. And don't we look like if we fill ourselves, I got to do all this, I'm going to get all this done, like this is, this, this is going to, everything in this day is going to be it. And we tend to overestimate what can be achieved in a day, but really underestimate what a year of just steady progress and consistency actually can yield in our lives. So I think that goes along with what you guys are saying. Um, on this area of growth and discipleship, obviously we've got to touch on uh, just reading the word, right? Reading the Bible and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. We've got to have a steady diet. The Bible tells us that we have to hide the word in our heart. We know that we are all called to wield the word like a sword, which means it's tactical. We apply it as faith in situations so that it's effective and actually uh, does accomplish things in our lives. So when it comes to reading the Bible and the word, people can be a little overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I'm not a theologian. I've never been to seminary. And you know, those are just things that I think are false ideas in people's mind that keep them from moving forward, but it's, they're real things, right? So what would you say to encourage someone, maybe some personal disciplines that you've implemented that have worked for you, to have a steady diet of the Word of God and just how important it really is? Um, I would just say, you know, kind of like we were talking, it, it's highly important, and so start small. When I first started reading the Bible, um, I just would write down the scripture that stood out to me. And as I wrote it down, it internalized it more in me. And after a period of time of doing that, I realized that those scriptures started coming out of me. And I pulled on them when I needed them. And in conversation, they would come out. But it started by me just writing down the ones that God highlighted to me when I didn't even realize that was what was really happening. Later, I learned, like, man, that was God leading me through his word. He was teaching me how to study his word by just making a scripture stand out to me. And so when, when that happens, do what you need to do, whether you write it down somewhere, whether you post it somewhere, whether you put it on your calendar to remind you to read it again, um, and allow that scripture that God's showing you to go deeper in your soul. When I was, um, I grew up in church and I've been in church since I was around two years old. And um, I, we memorized scripture and we would get little muscle men on a t-shirt for every scripture we memorized. And I would realize later in life, those scriptures would just come back to my mind because they had been so um, ingrained in my heart. And um, that, but I didn't always study the word and read the word regularly and but I also remember my mom having scriptures posted everywhere in our house. You'd open a cabinet door and a scripture would be posted. You go in the bathroom, you'd see one on the mirror. And that would always be something that I was reading. It was there. So you read it. Um, but as I've become more disciplined in reading, God keeps opening up the word more and more to me and revealing more and more. And um they say that you either run your day or the day runs you. So 
you need to carve out that time and set aside that time that you're going to intentionally read, even if it's 15 minutes, that I'm going to get up and I'm going to dedicate this first 15 minutes to God. And it will build from there and it will grow from there. And, and then you're controlling how your day goes and it's not controlling you. Good. I grew up as a pastor's kid and uh, we were taught to know God, but we wasn't trained to chase God. And this scripture here kind of speaks to me as Philippians 3.14. It says, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Anytime I see upward, that's incline. That's, that's cost. You know, that's, that's, it's a battle. So we have to, you know, like we said, it, for me, it's a discipline. I have to discipline myself to go through the, I don't like to read. I just don't. <laughs> it's just not one of my things. But I'm disciplining myself. I set alarms to remind myself, hey, it's time to read. That's where I'm at right now. So just anything like that could help you. But just remember, anytime you go on upward, it's inclined. It's going to cost you something. I think what's, what's really important is that you find a discipline that works. Uh, you know, the whole Bible and the reading, by, read the Bible in a year plan where it's, you know, you do it on your phone or whatever. Like I know there's probably millions of people that do that. I, I hate that. I, I, I've tried it. I can't do it. For some reason, I get into like, it's like a speed reading contest, and I don't even, you know, just to check the box that I got that day. I mean, so that doesn't, those are great, I mean, that's a great tool that will probably work for a high percent of you. It just doesn't work for me, so I don't, I, I don't try to do that. You know, my, my style is I do it first thing in the morning. I have a few study Bibles, uh, so I just kind of, you know, not, not to sound over-spiritual about it, but I just kind of like oh, let the Spirit lead me to what I'm going to study that day. Um, you know, there's lots of good, uh, you know, uh, workbooks out there. I'll, I'll just say this, like probably 25 years ago, I did a workbook by myself. It was called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. I don't know if anybody's heard of that guy before, but, uh, I would say that, that one study, I mean, just profoundly changed my life and, uh, took me on a spiritual trajectory that, you know, continues this day, but it was just doing that that study, that little workbook that was probably designed for small groups, but I did it by myself in the morning just uh, because that's the way I prefer to do things sometimes as an introvert, work through them by myself first. Uh, but again, I would just encourage you to whatever discipline works for you, that, that's what works for you, and that's what you'll be able to stick to. Awesome. It, let me just encourage everybody, too, that, you know, Bible wisdom, Wisdom of God through his word comes by way of revelation. It's revelatory, which means it's uncovered. The Holy Spirit, God himself, speaks to us. He reveals things to us. He uncovers things that could not be known to the natural man. And every person who is in Christ has that capability. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, he says that we have an anointing, each of us in Christ, an anointing to be taught. There's an anointing of revelation on each child of God. So when you come to the scriptures and you read the scriptures with a heart to learn and to hear, God will illuminate, right? He will. And you, you need to have faith for that. You need to have faith. Like, I know God will reveal truth to me. He'll speak to me. And when you read, just like sitting down, let's say, and having a meal, when you eat a meal and you take in a lot of good nutrients, if you eat a healthy meal, you've got lots of types of nutrients, right? Simple, complex carbohydrates, proteins, phytonutrients, antioxidants, probiotics, and you don't, after your meal or is your meal going 
down like, wow, those probiotics really are amazing. That's helping me so much. But it's happening. My point is, is that you're, you're still being nourished as you feast on the meal. And when you read the word of God, you're being nourished. Your spirit is being filled. And God will illuminate certain things to you at different times. There'll be things that he puts just kind of a spotlight on. It might be a word. It might be a verse. It might be something. Dial in on those things. Meditate day and night, the Bible says. Meditate on those areas the Holy Spirit is illuminating to you. Chase those veins down. Memorize those verses. Repeat them, say them over and over again. And watch and see. Because what you're doing is you're hiding the word of God in your heart when you do that. And that's going to start to produce a lot of fruit. You're going to see the value of having that steady diet in the Word. Can I say something just real quick? Sure. Sorry. Yeah. When I use that, this stuff that we're talking about, this one question, I mean, this is really, really, really important. And I'll give you an example of just that I just used of, hey, me doing this study 25 years ago and continuing to this day. Like seemingly some insignificant moments in the morning I studied God's word and spent time with God. And as I say that, I'm looking at my 22-year-old daughter right here sitting in the first row. And you understand the power in that? Like, her entire life was shaped in part by by me doing that. And I look at my mother-in-law out there. And me doing that, there's things that my mother-in-law that I've watched do or she's told me, right, that I'm just, it's a legacy thing, right? I'm just, I'm standing on the shoulders of my mother-in-law, and I can pass these things about this relationship with Christ that I have that's afforded to me, that I have this opportunity, and I don't know, I hope that meant somebody to something. Awesome. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff, Yeah. All right, let's go on to relationships. We know godly relationships, iron sharpens iron. Um, Boy, so critical. Again, none of these areas can be neglected or set down on the shelf for us. When it comes to relationships, it would be accurate to say that we all have a lot of interactions, a lot of relationships, acquaintances, close relationships. Proximity is applicable, right? And so while we are called to be salt and light in all the world and to love people and to just, you know, reach out to all people, we also know that it's very clear there's a huge emphasis placed on the quality, the integrity of the core relationships that are the closest to us in our lives. They're going to affect us, influence us the most, the people we're really doing life with. The core relationships need to be so strong, prayerful, they must be godly. What would you say to help folks out who'd say, I want to build godly relationships, but I don't really know how, or I don't know where to start, or you know, what do I do? And just kind of help them to encourage them steps to take. There's people who are introverted, there's people who are extroverted, so obviously there's some different personalities in play. Give us some wisdom, some thoughts on that. I'm up. Um, I would just say that the core group of people that you do life with is going to impact your life more than what you probably realize. Um, You're not going to hang around with a bunch of people who are um, 
have their marriage fall apart and yours is going to be healthy and successful. Uh, it, it's just the reality of how we're made. We're made for our relationships to influence us. And so the ones that are closest to us are absolutely going to affect your life. And so I would say step one is to pray about it. Pray for God to bring you healthy relationships. Step two is to look at the relationships you have and see which ones need to kind of be pushed back. Doesn't mean you can't love them. Doesn't mean you can't talk to them. They just, they just can't be in that core place in your life. Um, and step three, look for the ones you want. Look for the ones you want. Like, where do you see a healthy marriage in your life? Where do you see someone raising great kids? I mean, this is what Matt and I did when we first started having kids. We were like, who has great kids? Pastor Mike, um, you're going to be friends with us. Like, we're going to be friends with you because we want that in our life. And we wanted our kids to see that example. And, and how many times I've come and I'm like, oh, that's what you do in the morning? You have your kids read the Bible in the morning when they were like 10 years old. They started having their kids. I'm like, my kids can do that. You know, so I'm, that's what my kids do. I didn't have to learn how to do a lot of these things. I was able to look at the relationships in our life and, and use the wisdom that they are displaying as an example. And so I would say that. And then I would just say take a step towards it. You know, ask them to coffee. Ask them to lunch. Join a life group where they're at. Stalk them if you have to. But the thing of it is, is people who are healthy, that, that's a compliment. You know, that's a compliment to them. And I don't know that I would recommend that, actually. But uh. <laughs> All right, don't stalk them. But, um, but it's of such importance to where I would say, go after it with all you have. Go after it with all you have. That's good. Uh, when you say core, I think of the physical core. And I think of all that, what it does with the legs, the arms, the back, and how it strengthens. And um, I go back to that sermon. I don't know if you remember doing this. You drew the circles up here on the whiteboard. And when I meet somebody, I, I actually put them in that, in that board. I'm like, are they core or are they not? Now, sometimes I'm putting them friends on the outside, you can bring them in. But you want to be around those people who build you up and you want to you glean from them. You want to learn from them. And I cha my challenge is to get people who I, I see on a, I don't want to say on a pedestal. That's probably not a bad, that's probably not a good example. But people that I see who are just going after God, who have everything working out for them. And just like Pastor Katie said, you want to kind of shadow that and resemble that. You want to look like that. Not that you want to be them, but you want those fruits that come from them. You want them to see, be seen in your life too. Pastor Matt's always said that you have to have the Pauls, the Timothys, and the Barnabases in your life. You need the Pauls who are pulling you forward, that are challenging you, that are helping you grow in your wisdom and your knowledge. And then you need the Timothys that you're raising up under you and you're challenging them. And then the Barnabases who are encouraging you uh, and cheering you on and edifying you on the way. I would just add on this one, if you want to talk about a difference maker in your life or really where the rubber meets the road, it really comes down to who you surround yourself. When you've heard these, you know, the one-liners before, it's like you show me your friends, I'll show you your future, or you're the average of your closest five friends. I mean, all that, it sounds really nice and cute, but I'm telling you what, it's true. And I've told my kids throughout the year, you can, if you can do one thing right in life, other than your relationship with Christ. If you can do one thing and get one thing right, this is, this is probably it. Who do you associate yourselves with and who is that core? And I could, I could talk about this subject for probably the next 
here, but I'll just leave you with one scripture on this, one scripture, which there's hundreds of them. But Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools, get in trouble. Good. Awesome. Hey, just one practical thing before we move on you can do. Just look at the person next to you and say, will you be my friend? Okay, never do that. That's weird. Never do that, okay? Don't do that. It's weird. Not natural. <laughs> you guys look really funny doing that. Like, whoa, not exactly a good start, buddy, okay? First impressions. You ever heard of that? Uh I will say this one is so important that my daughter tells me all the time, are you sure you should associate with Pastor yeah, Matt? Yeah, right. I Yeah. Okay. He's been waiting the whole time for where he could drop something in. Uh, just let me encourage you with this, that if you're going to get to the depth and the beauty of what godly relationships are meant to be in your life, there's no way around this. Um, you're going to have to open yourself up. You've got to be vulnerable. And I know that's hard, especially for those who've been hurt and been wounded before. And I know that there's lots of things we can say about that. God can heal. He's restored. But in the, at the end of the day, if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable and open uh, with people in relationships, you're never going to get too far beneath surface level in the quality and the, just the purpose behind what those relationships can be. Um, God is your protector, and he's there for you. We can be hurt and wounded, but at the end of the day, God wants us to enjoy the beauty and the treasure of relationships that he wants to put in our lives, and so we can be vulnerable because we can trust him. Amen? Amen. All right, let's move on to just serving. The great ones serve. We say that a lot. Um, serving is a, it's a mentality, a servanthood heart like Jesus had, and in serving with time and talent and treasure and all those things. God's put unique gifts, passions in each and every one of us that lead to an expression in our serving that God wants to do. Those are some of our, our strong pursuits, our strength spots. What would you say to encourage someone who doesn't maybe know what their gifts are or their strengths? They, they want to try to discover that, or, or maybe they're just really self-conscious and uh, lack confidence to step out and actually begin giving expression to some of those things if they feel like they do know what they are. I think it's important that you take a spiritual gifts test. It might not tell you everything about who you are because you got to know yourself as well. And then hand it to a leader and say, hey, can you tell me where this helps me fit in and serving? And then just try it. You don't have to just say, oh, I'm a greeter and I have to stay here forever. If it doesn't work, try something else. We're not saying you have to stay in this one spot and God will surround you with the right people at the right time and open the right doors for you when you take that first step. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say start somewhere, you know, start Start somewhere, like Pastor Holly was saying. You know, God opens doors, and he, he leads you to where he's calling you. But, but there's a path that he takes that you would probably never be able to put together on your own. Like we were saying earlier, like if you would know the story that we took to finally land in ministry, you would say, how does that even connect? 
but God puts us in different places to strengthen certain gifts, to strengthen certain weaknesses, um, to, to open our eyes to things that we need someone to speak into our life. So there's certain people he's going to put in your life. And so if you would just take the step of the door that's in front of you, you know, what is open in front of you? Because that's more than likely where God wants you right now. But that step is almost for sure not where you're going to land forever because your latter days are always greater than your former days. And so he's going to continue to grow you and mold you and shape you. And, and he leads us step by step, you know. And so more and more of where God has you to go, the vision for your life, the purpose for your life will become clear to you as you take that step. But if we're not faithful in what's in front of us, why would he give us so much more? And so be faithful in little, and he will lead you to more. I mean, the Bible says that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, right? So which means that we are called to serve. No matter what area of your life, if you look at me and the titles I carry are husband, dad, pastor, coach, whatever it is, you know what I do in all of those roles? I serve. That's what I do. And I don't know what position you're in right now, but I do know that whatever that is, you're you're called to serve, just as Jesus was called to serve. There's something, to me, there's something supernatural that happens when we're serving. And what that is, is we, we do it out of the heart of just to serve people or an organization or whatever, but every time I've ever stepped forward to serve, and if you step forward to serve in the church, what's the, the normal thinking is, oh, I'm going to go help out the church. I'm going to serve, and that is true. But what happens is, is you are going to get way more out of it personally than the other person or the organization or the church. There's something powerful when you step out and serve. Awesome. You know, and a lot of times people, they feel like, well, I don't know if I got time or what I could do. And I would just say there's so much variety and so much opportunity. There's always a starting point. And you might need some help to figure out where that is, and that's what we're here to do. But there's always a starting point, right? I mean, there's folks that serve one weekend a month in media or kids ministry or whatever it might be. And then there's folks that serve a lot more. You know, it, it's where you're at and what's going on in your life. And so I do think that engaging our time and talent and treasure and serving in the local church, I do think it's important. I, I think that's necessary. But I also want to encourage you not to limit or compartmentalize your serving, the, how you serve. Because like I've watched Pastor Mike over the years coaching in his kids' sports. And I've seen these, these kids, he's told me stories as they grow up, and they reach out, call him, hey, coach, I've got a, I've got a question about God. Uh, hey, coach, can you give me some advice on something? And so, you know, something that he is already doing and that he's already good at is, is now it's a, it's a serving ground for him. Does that make sense? And so it, it, it opens things up majorly for us when we realize I'm a servant everywhere. I'm looking at Bob. He's Man, Bob is a, a counselor at our high school, and I just thank God for him right now in the season and the time that we're in here in Waterloo. He's a guidance counselor and just pouring into kids. I mean, that is a serving ground right there. If he's doing that for Jesus and he's looking at that, like, how can I serve the Lord and serve people, right? So, one, don't underestimate how many opportunities there are to get started in, even in a small commitment. We do extreme service projects once a quarter, you know, four times a year. That's a one-day event where we all show up and serve our community. That's just, you're committing to one day when you do that. There's so many ways to do, to do it, but then also don't limit and compartmentalize uh, how you view serving either. Does that make sense? Um, 
And then I just, this is kind of a question I want to throw out too before we move on from this one. I think it's important. It's geared towards the next generation. Right now, I think this is so cool. Our uh, kids ministry today, they've, they've sort of duplicated the format. They've got some, some youth and some young adults downstairs that are actually on a panel with the kids in, ministry, in the kids ministry today and doing questions and answers and stuff as well. And so the question, this is the thing. What would you say to encourage a young person that, um, man, God can use you powerfully right now where you are, like that you're serving can make a huge impact in the body of Christ right now, even, as, even in your youth? I think that any youth that serves is always encouraging to any adult. I always tell the youth every time that they get involved and they serve and, and they are, are right alongside any adult serving, like how encouraging that is to the adults around us. Like it makes me want to step up my game when I see them serving God. And I, they just serve with such just a genuine heart because they come at it at a very pure motive. So we can learn a lot from them. And I would just say um, to parents or, or mentors that Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit. And him and me versus him and a kid versus him and, you know, a senior, it's still the Holy Spirit. And so the gifts and the talents that God put in us, he can use in any moment at any time. And so he doesn't say, wait until. And, and so like Pastor Holly was saying, there's a place and a spotlight and an, an anointing on us when we're in our youth that's just not on us when we're an adult. And so we want our kids to step out and experience all of that. And so we, I would just say encourage them, encourage them to go for it. Just like we've been encouraging all of us, you know, take a step, have them take a step and then be there to support them and, and to call out what you see God in them and the gifts and the talents that are in them. Because man, really, many, many revivals start from our youth, the ones that get on fire. It's our youth. So I believe that this world's going to change and it's going to start when our youth get on fire for it. And that's, that's good. And uh, one thing I would like to add is you don't have to look, and this is for next gen, this is for anybody out there. You don't have to look like anybody up here. You have your own identity in Christ. And what I mean by that is for the youth, you know, David, they said he was 15, around 15 when he was anointed. He was younger than 19 when he killed Goliath. But what they tried to do was make him look like something he wasn't. Remember they put Saul's um, armor on him. They gave him his sword. And he said, I haven't been tested in this. He went out there and what he knew yeah, as a youth, he took good. the tools that he had. And that's what you can do. You can take those tools that you have and use them. Your worship can be your worship. It doesn't have to be my worship. You know, you, everything that you do, God has put in you. It's in you to be used. Just look for it and just, just let it blossom in you. Don't try to be anybody else. Just be who God has you to be. Awesome. Love it. Good stuff. All right, let's move to the last one. And this is, uh, we've talked about relationships. We've talked about discipleship. We've talked about serving. Now let's talk about intimacy, prayer, and worship, right? On fire relationship with Jesus. The flame needs to be white hot. A lot of people have uh, or are used to seeing over the years dry, dead religion, powerlessness. It's not relationship, um, but a relationship with Jesus is fire. It's, you know, there's passion there. There's intimacy there. Our prayer life is on fire. Our worship life is on fire. Uh, we need that. We're created for that. What would you say to encourage people in this? Because there's a level of abandonment that we, we have to get to, right, in our worship, in our prayer life, um, of really just kind of abandoning ourselves and, and opening ourselves up and really going after this. 
what would you say to help people really stoke that flame? I want to be near to God. I want to be close to God. I want to have that fire in my relationship with Jesus. I guess I'll take this one. <laughs> uh, I think the key word there, Pastor Matt, is abandonment. Um, abandonment takes us out of it. Abandonment puts trust in him. And when we come to that place of abandonment where we're not thinking about anything else that's going on, that's when we're able to really just connect and be undone, be peeled back, let the layers be exposed, let everything out of us, and just move in those, in those moments. Um, I tell my boys a lot that it takes one match to light a fire. The biggest fires you've ever seen is started from a match or a spark. Any one of you right here could be that match. You could be that spark. And what happens, too, is that, you know, in those moments, we're kind of fearful to be undone or be abandoned, lifting our hands or being on our face, whatever it may be. But somebody's watching you. I tell the team all the time, Lynn's going to pull on different people than Kelly is. I'm going to pull on different people than Jess is because we relate to people. They, they watch you. You could be the person that somebody in, that, in, the, in the audience here is watching. And when they see you release and be abandoned, they're like, I can do that, too. You're leading without even knowing it because you're letting God lead you through a moment where you're abandoning him and just, you basically just don't care what's going on. You're just laying it out there and just letting things go. Good. Awesome. Yeah, I think, I think for me, I become more on fire for Jesus the more I know who he is. You know, like in communion, the more I study what he did for me, the more I love him. You know, the more I, I realize the, the beauty of who he is, the more I desire to peer into that. And so my on-fire relationship with God is me getting alone with him and allowing him to reveal himself to me more and more and more so that when I come to worship or when I come to a place, I'm honestly less concerned with everyone else in the room because I'm so concerned with him and just develop so that in my life. And when you do that, and you don't care what people think, because oftentimes we don't abandon ourselves in worship because we're wondering who's looking at us. What are they going to think of us? But really, when Jesus enters the room, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? He's the only opinion so that really matters. I love what you said about, you know, when you get close, as you get closer to Jesus, you get more on fire because our, our God is a consuming fire. And so when we get close to him, we get lit on fire. You know, it's just, it's, a, it's an outflow of that. So very good. Anybody else want to add on to that? Abandonment? I would just say, even when you don't feel like it, there's been times where I'm like, man, this day is just bad. You know, yeah. everything's gone this way and sideways and not the way I wanted it to. And then I'll just put on worship and stop and just be still and just draw close to God and just let him pour into me. And it doesn't have to be a feeling. Sometimes we, we kind of get caught up in that because we have feelings. And, and it is good to feel the presence of God and know that he's there. But sometimes you're not going to just feel it right away. So good. just take time to be still and let God speak to your heart. Awesome. Anybody else have days like that that are just not good? Anybody else? I just want to add something real quick. Uh, and Pastor Katie, I've seen the growth in you. You know, being up here, you see that, you know, when people, worship should be freedom. Freedom, that's Kelly good. did not start out, I mean, Kelly is a warrior. I have to switch her from one side to the other because she wears out the carpet yeah. up here. <laughs> you know, that, that's how much she goes after it. Kelly, Kelly was an introvert. She wouldn't speak. She wouldn't do nothing. But when you get in the presence of God, you don't care. Pastor Katie says she doesn't care. When you go to a baseball game or whatever, everybody's cheering, everybody's being crazy. Why? Because they're focused on the game. 
When you come in here and you worship, you're focused on God. You don't care what everybody else is thinking yeah. about you. Good. Awesome. I, I would just add one thing and maybe offer a tad bit different perspective. Is that, you know, when we use the words like and abandonment and on fire, like they mean different things to different people. So your relationship with Christ, whether it's at home or here in a corporate worship setting, it's still going to be intimate. And when I say, meaning like my relationship with God is going to look like nobody else's. Pastor guys is going to look like nobody else's. So one person's being on fire and another person being on fire could be two totally radically different things. So don't think you have to be like somebody else that you see outwardly that may everybody look like, boy, that, that, that man or woman was on fire. There could be somebody sitting down here in the front row, not sitting down, that God is powerfully touching them. Like, for instance, like, if second service, if you see me in the middle of worship start running around, I, I, I'd probably leave because I've gone crazy. It's probably not going to happen. But it doesn't mean that God isn't, <laughs> hey, I just... Although it might help you get ready for the next 5K if you started running. I'm just yeah. saying, you need a little training. Anyway. But it's an intimate relationship that is going to be very special yeah. between, between you and God. Very good. Awesome. Good stuff. Last question. And I wanted to save this one for the end. And it just talking about being on fire, having a relationship with God. But I think this idea of coming together corporately in a body of believers, you know, fellowshipping, it's, it's obviously critical. The Bible says we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That means do not neglect coming together corporately in a body of believers. The word assembly is where we get the word synagogue from. Actually, it's in the Greek, synagogue. It means a house of worship, a house of fellowship, a house of prayer. So we obviously have our personal lives that we're stoking the flames in. But there's a clear instruction in Scripture that we have to come together corporately too. We have to gather. And I was just reading this article. It was interesting. It said that 20 years ago the in America, the um, average number of people in America that said they, had, they were belonged to a church uh, was like 68 or 69%. 20 years later, it's down to like 47%. And then an even smaller percentage of that number say they attend church with some kind of regular frequency. And so we're in this place in our culture where everybody's busy, everybody's got stuff going on, um, and there can be these long breaks, interruptions, like very sporadic, non-prioritized uh, attendance of gathering, coming together. Now, we're not, you know, saying, hey, I, I missed two weeks and I can only miss two weeks in service this year, otherwise I'm a bad Christian. Like, that's horrible. That's, that's religion. But there, I do believe very strongly there's got to be a priority on some kind of consistency, some kind of regularity, right? Um, what would you say to just encourage us in that? Like, make it a priority that this is important, it's worth investing in. I think it encompasses all of these areas that we've talked about. It's what encourages us in all of the four X's that we have here at Life Church X. And... Um, I've been at, like I said, I've been in church since I was two and has church always been good? No. Um, there's been ups and downs, but it, it's been a family and just like in your own family, there's ups and downs, but I'm in it for 
what it brings me, how it edifies me, where I am now in my journey and where I couldn't have been if I didn't have that community that surrounded me and helped me through all the difficulties that I have been through. I mean, I'll just kind of answer it real simply, right? We're, we're here, part of these messages are the greatest year of your spiritual growth, right? And if you look at the course over your lifetime, what, when has been there spiritual growth in your life? Has it been times when you've been attending a local church on a regular basis? Or times when you ha haven't been in church, right? It's going to be the times when you're in church. I, throughout my pastoral career, whatever, I, one of the most common questions I get from people is that they have so much going on, so busy. Maybe they work on Sundays or, or whatever. Uh, but they say, but man, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying at home. But I, but I just don't, I don't have time to go to church or I don't like church. And my, my answer is always to them in a loving, kindly way, well, how's that working out for you? Because usually it's not, or they wouldn't be meeting with you. And there's something powerful when you come in a corporate setting like this. And to those people, I, I honestly say to them, and we work through it, but it's like I hear lots of people say that they don't need to come to church because they pray and read their Bible, whatever. I just, to this day, I've never known anybody that's been able to live like that successfully over a long period of time. Awesome. All right. I, I don't know about most of you here, but I can't live without this. I remember the first week in January, um, I got sick, and Pastor Matt told me I couldn't come to church. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, was, I, was, I wasn't mad at him, but I was mad, you know, because I, I want this and I need this. This, this is my battleground. Things happen in corporate that don't happen in your home, I'm sorry. Corporate praise, corporate worship here at the altar, things are happening. And, and what I, the story that comes to mind is Paul and Silas. They came into that place, chains, broken, beaten. But there were other people in their prison too. But they came in and they worshiped. And what happened? Midnight, the earthquake and the chains come. They didn't just come off Paul and Silas. They came off everybody that was in that area. So, so when you come into That's a good. place where That's there's corporate really worship going on, things are going to start breaking off of you. Even when you don't realize that they're falling off of you and they're just, you're just leaving those things here. So corporate is important. It's a necessity. It's a necessity for me. I can't live without it. That's awesome. I would just say if someone feels that they don't need church, then they've probably never been planted in a church. They've probably just done church, but they've never built relationships. They've never served. They've never been discipled. Because if you have that in your life, you realize why you need church. Um, and the other reason is, if Jesus said it, we should do it. We should trust him there. And he said it. So for me, it's just kind of black and That's white. so good. He told uh, me to, so I do it. Awesome. Great stuff, guys. And aren't these folks, aren't these pastors amazing, wonderful? <laughs> Appreciate them. Really appreciate them so much. God has brought them here for, for all of us, and uh, just so thankful for that. You can see the humility on them. I know we were kind of laughing as they were, like, looking at each other, but you know what? That, that's the humility that they have because they're just they're deferring to one another. Respect, you know, that they have. And so they're just, they're just a treasure. I have the privilege of getting to work with this great team on a weekly basis, 
And I can just tell you, um, and I know you know this, but I just want you to hear it. They love you. They love you so much, and they love you so well. Uh, the sacrifices they make, the investments they make, like they would never say that, but I'll say that. Um, it's amazing what they, what they do to love you and to lead you and to care for you well. And so I'm just so thankful for all of them. Appreciate them being up here today. Yeah, thank you. Give them one more round of applause. So we'll pray and dismiss. Um, Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you right now, God, that you would take all these things, so many things that we've covered today, and uh, you would just spotlight the things for each and every one of us that you really want to dial us into right now. Some of these things, I'm sure, God, even just one little answer or one little response to a question could be a turning point for somebody to just start growing and getting just moving forward in one of these areas in a major way. Help us to be whole, strong, complete, and healthy so that we can serve you with all of our lives. I pray that you would bless each and every person as they go. And God, we are just asking you to just fill us and fill this place and that this would be the greatest year of spiritual growth that we have all had. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful day.